speech that described the amazing concept of the church. We are told in Scripture that uh, the church is a building, and every member is a stone in that building, and Christ is the foundation. In another place, God talks about the church uh, as a bride, and Christ is the bridegroom. Other places, He calls the church a flock, and Christ is the good shepherd and the pastor, the under-shepherd. But today, we're going to look at how that the church of Jesus Christ is described as a body where Christ is the head and we the parts of his body. Now, it's popular today. We hear it all over. People say, well, I'm really not into organized church. A man just told me that a couple of weeks ago. And so often, self-satisfied, they don't attend church. They may even have their name on a church roll and attend occasionally. Like some who go three times a year, excuse me, they go three times in a lifetime. When they're born, they get christened, and when they're married, and then when they die, and they have a funeral perhaps at the church with them there. One country preacher said it this way, he said, some people only go to church three times when they're hatched, when they're matched, and when they're dispatched. (laughs) Another more blunt said, the first time they go to church, they throw water on them. The second time they go to church, they throw rice on them. And the third time, they throw dirt on them. (laughs) And that's all there is. Now, when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, however, that the church is something that is vibrant and alive, and it's something that's to be part of our life, our everyday life. In fact, I'm convinced that it is to be the center of every good health. Christian family. We are in a body of Christ, and it is a wonderful thing to be part of that body. Annually, we set aside one Sunday where we talk about the vision that we have. We rejoice in God's faithfulness, and uh, we just want to say how much we thank the Lord for putting us here as part of His family. And so, uh, as we talk this morning, I love my church. You are important. You are somebody in this body. You are important to His church. Let's all bow our heads, please. Father, today, we thank You for this beautiful passage, amazing passage. How my heart was thrilled again, Lord, as I studied it over and over again and prayed through it. Thank You. These are an amazing group of people. Lord, I can only imagine what the next decade and beyond holds for this ministry. Should You tarry Your coming, and I am thankful to be able to be here to be part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians, please, the very practical book. Along with James, it is an incredible practical dissertation on the way a church should function. We're going to go to chapter 12, and we're going to see five aspects of the church as a body. As we go along, we have a little less time than normal, but if you'll listen quickly, we'll get through it. First of all, a manifesting unity. That's what the church is. There is a unity that displays something. It manifests Jesus Christ. The body of Christ may have many members, many parts, but it's only one body. Look at verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. 
The point is simple but profound. The body of Christ has many parts, but it is one. Unity is being emphasized. There are no spectators in God's church. We are one and we're all involved making a difference. In Scripture, the Bible calls the church one community. We are all citizens of one kingdom. We are all members of one family. We are all sheep of the same flock. We are all branches on the same vine. We are all parts of the same body. Now, why does God emphasize this unity? Because He doesn't want anybody to hang out on the fringe and say, you know what, I'm really not important. Oh, yes, you are. You are important to the family of God, whether we be maybe a smaller part or a bigger part. The fact is we are a part in God's kingdom. Look at verse 13. Why are we so vital? Because we have been filled with the Spirit of God. Verse 13, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Now, this is not talking about that wonderful, beautiful water baptism. It's talking about that spiritual baptism. Whether we're Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, we have been all made to drink into one Spirit. The moment we get born again by the Spirit of God, we accept Him as our personal Lord and Savior. We get saved, converted, redeemed, whatever term you want to use. The fact is, the moment it happens, God takes us and immerses us into the body of Christ. That's what it says in verse 13. We are all baptized. We are all baptized. Everybody, whether you think so or not, you have been placed into the body of Christ, one single body. He organizes us into one body. As I mentioned earlier, sometimes people foolishly say something like, well, I'm really not into organized religion. That'd be like saying, I'm not into an organized body. Now, friend, the body has to be organized or it is going to be very, very sick. And that's why we call the parts of our body organs, because it's organized. That's why God made it that way. It's supposed to be working, functioning in a certain way. And we ought to thank God for an organized body, because when my right hand, my right hand, <laughs> your right hand, when my right hand says, you know, I'm going to do what the head says, when my left hand says, I'm going to do what the head says, and they work together, man, that's, that's an organized thing that works wonderful. It is a manifesting unity. What are we supposed to manifest? We're supposed to manifest Jesus Christ. Now, you're looking at here this morning, and you're saying, that's Tim Pollock. Or like someone told me last week, they said, you know, the funny thing is, every time I'm at church, I'm up there looking at you, and I swear, I'm think, looking at Bruce Willis. And uh, I said, man, thank you for saying that. I love it when people say that. But anyway, it's just the head, that's all. And it's definitely not the money, for sure. But you're looking up here, and you're looking at Tim Pollock. Actually, you're not. You're looking at Tim Pollock's body. My body is manifesting Tim Pollock. Tim Pollock lives in this shell. Like the pastor trying to comfort the woman whose husband passed away, she said, she said he said, ma'am, he said, this is only a shell. The nut is gone. And, uh, but that's me. You know, I, 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 I'm the nut that lives in this shell. Tim lives inside of here, and I am looking at you now. The only thing you know about Tim is what my body tells you. You might uh, listen to a sermon. That's because Tim's mouth 
said something. You might read a book that I wrote, and that's because Tim's hand and Tim's mind wrote that. Tim lives inside of this body. Now, here's the point. The only way this world sees Jesus is through his body. The body of Christ manifests Jesus Christ. What kind of picture are we telling the world about Jesus Christ? That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be the manifestation of who He is and what's going on. What is the church? It is an amazing manifesting, manifesting unity. I read this uh, recently, and I was blessed by it. A pastor back in the Midwest, also a part of a rotary club, a business club. It was his term to speak there, and they wondered what organization he represented. He was not well known in the group, and so he said, I am with a global enterprise. Here's a pastor speaking at the Rotary Club. We, branches, we have branches in every country in the world. We have our representatives in nearly every parliament and boardroom on earth. We are into motivation and behavior alteration. We run hospitals, feeding stations, crisis pregnancy centers, universities, publishing houses, and nursing homes. We care for our clients from birth to death. We are into life insurance, fire insurance. We perform spiritual heart transplants. Our original organizer owns all the real estate on earth, plus an assortment of galaxies and constellations. He knows everything and lives everywhere. Our product is free for the asking, and yet there's not enough money to buy it. Our CEO was born in a hick town, worked as a carpenter, didn't own a home, was misunderstood by his family, hated by his enemies, walked on water, condemned to death without a trial, and arose from the dead. I get to talk with him every single day. That's what I call an organization, amen? And that's what the church is. The church is an organization that manifests the body of Christ. We also have a motivating dignity to our individuality. Verse 15, even the smallest member makes a big contribution, regardless of what you might think. Verse 15, the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not of the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? What's it saying? It's saying our individuality is healthy. The feet belong to God. The hands belong to God. God does not want us to live in isolation from one another. It's been a concerning thing to me over the last decade or so where I've seen conservative Christians migrating to the Northwest. Many Christian families get the hunker-down philosophy, and they're going to protect their family from the wickedness of the world. Actually, has grown into a, an actual movement called the Redoubt Movement. You may have heard about it. People moved to Oregon or Washington, especially Idaho, Wyoming. Montana's a big place. And they go there, and they, the concept is, I guess, that they're going to find a haven away from the world, and supposedly they're going to be very holy and a beautiful thing. Here's my problem, among other things, with that movement. Number one, so the point is this then, you go somewhere and you leave the world and you let the world go to hell. That's the concept. 
That's the concept that you think Jesus is anointed. All these wonderful Bible-believing people are going to leave their places where they live and go to some place. No, that's not God's plan. We, God never intended for his people to be isolated. He said, I sent you out there like sheep among wolves. He said, get out there where the wolves are. That's, where, that's what the church is meant to do, folks. It is not meant to isolate themselves, all the hands, all the feet, all the little ears go and live someplace. God wants us to get out there and be something, and he wants us to be important for God's kingdom. You know, it's a funny thing about these parts that we have. Now, some parts seem more comely than others. I mean, hands are beautiful things, really. I, my wife's hands are just beautiful. She could be a hand model, I told her one day. She's a perfect finger size, and they're just perfectly shaped. And I got problems with mine. They got a curl here or a curl there. And my feet, oh my goodness, you don't even want to see those. Even my uh, orthopedic surgeon, after he was done fixing them, said, man, that's a funky-looking foot. And... Uh, I'm like, thanks, doctor. That really makes me feel great. And, uh, but you know, hands are beautiful. Feet maybe not so much. But I'll tell you one thing. My hands didn't bring me into church today. It was my feet that brought me in here. And they may be funky, but I'll tell you one thing. They do the job. And you know what? Parts are different. I read the other day that some of these celebrities have their parts insured for upwards of a million dollars. I think Barbara Streisand insured her nose. It <laughs> has that very signature nose there. And I think uh, Jennifer Lopez, her legs for a million dollars, you know, I mean, but, uh, you know, legs or noses or whatever fact is, folks, all of our parts are important. It's a funny thing about us as humans, you know, we, we like our hands, we like our eyes, you know, we look in people's eyes this week, you know, some lover is going to look in the, on Valentine's. It's Valentine's Day this week, guys, I'm giving you a heads up, and uh, you're going to look into the eyes of your lover, and you're going to say, oh, your beautiful eyes. They're like pools, cesspools. Oh, I mean, sorry to say that. And uh, no, you're going to look in those eyes, and you're going to say, they're so beautiful. They're green or whatever, uh, you know, they're, they're yellow or, you know, whatever they are, but those eyes are wonderful. But you know what? And you may have woke up this morning and said, Lord, I thank you for my eyes. I just want to thank you, God. I can look outside. And you felt good about that. And you felt good that you thanked the Lord for your ears, that you could hear the beautiful uh, bird outside that was drowning. And uh, you were happy. And, uh, but I tell you what, I don't think there's anybody in this room that got up this morning and say, Lord, I thank you for my liver. Thank you, Jesus, for my pancreas. This is the best day of my life. Thank you, Lord, for giving me kidneys. We don't ever think that. They don't get the love, do they? Hands get the love. Eyes get the love. Ears get the love. Even in the insurance industry, you know, you're uh, 250,000 if you lose an eye, you know, 125,000 if you lose hearing, you know, 60,000 if you lose a hand. You lose a, you know, a pancreas, you know, you probably get 10,000 bucks or something. But I mean, but you know what? All of these things are part and parcel to who we are. Folks, we live in an unprecedented time in America. Radical forces on the left are trying to draw our country quickly into socialism. But it's an interesting thing about socialism. Every place that has been tried is a disaster. But not only is it a disaster, it is the, it is the, it is the religion of the masses. God never emphasizes masses. Have you ever noticed that? 
He always emphasizes individuals. We always get saved one by one. Jesus left the flock and went after one sheep. It was one child that was out in the wilderness that needed to be saved. God is a God of the individual. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 1, it says, He knows your name. He knows your name. He knows who we are. And when we get to heaven, we go to heaven one by one. One. Now, this morning, you're here. You're enjoying the nice seat, and it's uh, soft, and it smells good in here, and it's relatively uh, warm. Uh, Some of you might be a little bit cool. We can't please everybody. But you know what? I'll tell you one thing. Do you know who turned the lights on this morning? Do you know the name of that person? Do you know the name of the person who cleaned this auditorium? Do you know the name of the person who turned, made sure that the air conditioning and the heater was on? Do you know the name of the person? The fact is we don't, many times we don't even know who that person is. Do you know who the person is that works in the home zone or the nursery? Many times we come and the big old mouth up here gets, you know, you know, Pastor Tim, he's the mouth, you know, but there are hands and feet and there are organs that don't get the love. But I'll tell you one thing, folks, they are very, very vital to this ministry, a motivating dignity. And God says every part is important. Verse 17, a ministering diversity. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? The whole we're hearing, where were the smelling? God needs and places diversity so that the body can minister effectively. Why does my body exist? It exists to serve Tim. I didn't wake up this morning and thank God my hand didn't look at me and say, I'll see you later going down for a hand massage. Wait, you can't leave me. You go, where are you going? This is Sunday, man. We're going to church. That hand said, uh-uh, I'm going down to the hand massage. Going on down here and we're going to have a nice day. I'm going to be bathed and it's going to be a one. No. The other hand said, no, you're coming to church. And that, folks, my hand has to be part of the body or it's going to be a disaster. We're here and we have to all work together. We each have a part. Recently, I was noticing the largest employer in our county in Lodi. I think it's Blue Shield in Stockton. It's either San Joaquin Delta or Dameron Association. And Tracy, it's some grocery thing or something. But, you know, each particular town has their own large employer. Let's go uh, over here to the hospital for a minute. And let's say uh, the uh, person who's cleaning the floor in the hospital, that's their job. And they, we don't even know who they are, but they say, you know what? <clears throat> I've been cleaning this stinking floor for 10 years and I'm tired. Done. I want to, I want to do brain surgery or I'm not working here anymore. And so that janitor puts his bucket in the closet, walks into the operating room and said, here I am, I'm operating on the brain. Well, they'd say, wait a second. No, folks, everybody's got a part and we have to have a clean environment or you can't even have an operating room. You've got to have somebody who have those skills to do what they do. All of us have a part. And that's what God is saying here. God says there's a, there is a diversity in the family that is necessary for the body to function well. A lady uh, several years ago came to me and said, you know, I've talked to Pastor Luke. I've done this. and I've just noticed there's not really a lot of openings in the children's department. I really want to serve in the children's department. And, you know, this was a transforming moment because I, 
I told her, I said, uh, no openings? And she said, no. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Are there children in your neighborhood? She said, well, yeah, there is actually. I said, now, here's what I just encourage you to do. Why don't you just go out and teach those children? Get them, have a little backyard club or do something, you know, have a little tea for the girls or somehow invite them over and you can teach them the gospel. You can have your own little class right there. The fact is, folks, we may not, there's only a few that can maybe have an organized little job, but the truth is all of us can serve as the body, whether it's on the campus or outside the campus. In fact, most of it is outside the campus. Just make sure we get the message out. In yesteryear, there was a soldier carrying a message for the army. His legs were shot out from underneath him, and he couldn't walk anymore. He was looking around, and he saw another fellow who had also been shot, but he had been blinded in the terrible battle. The soldier pulled himself over to the battle buddy and said, hey, you've got good legs, but don't have eyes. I've got eyes, but I don't have any legs. We've got a message we've got to deliver. He said, I'll tell you what, you be my legs and I'll be your eyes and we'll deliver the message. And folks, that's exactly what we're doing. I can't maybe be the feet. I can't maybe always be the eyes, but I can tell you what, what I can do. If we work together, we can deliver the message. Everybody can do something. Some can sing and some can uh, work in this department. Some can clean, some can fix something. There's one thing we certainly can all do. We can all pray. Whether you're sitting or laying in a bed, we can all pray and we can all give. I love that passage in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, that says, Now concerning the collection, he talks about the collection that they took in the church, verse 2, on the first day of the week, and notice this next phrase, let every one of you lay by him in store. He's referring back to the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible says, bring the 10% into the storehouse, and God is saying, Pretty much the same thing. He's saying, make sure that everybody, everyone gets involved in bringing a tenth to the Lord. You know, it's a funny thing about how the Lord's work is supposed to be done. I, uh, people ask me all the time, say, man, how did you get, how are you folks doing that? What, what's the secret? And I say, tell you one thing, we don't do a lot of browbeating, you know, we don't get up and have high-powered campaigns. The fact is, we just teach about giving, first of all, regular tithes and offerings, and then we just present the need and pray. When you go traveling at all, you'll find yourself where there's lots of beggars. When we were in France, uh, one, we met one gal there who was begging, and she was Muslim, and her husband was sitting at home, and he put her out begging. They were from some Arabian country. They were living there in France. I thought, man, what a deadbeat guy. That's, that's like the worst thing I can imagine, putting your wife out begging for you while you sit at home and smoke your little pipe or whatever. It's ridiculous. And then we went along, and there were some Romas, some uh, gypsies who were begging. People beg everywhere. When we were in Asia, they beg. When you're in the Philippines, they, people live in little cardboard little shacks, little tiny little houses right on the street corner, and they beg. When we were in, and wherever you go, there's beggars. But I think the worst beggars are the religious beggars. Those who stand there with little white suits and have their little cans. Or like in Thailand, they dress up in these big uh, orange suits. They're called monks. And they walk around the neighborhood and they kind of ring a little bell. And that means you got to come out and give them, 
you got to come out and give them money. I thought, I'll tell you one thing. There'd be a, it, it's not going to happen here at the home church. I'm not going to dress myself up in an in a, in a orange suit, although I have an orange shirt. Someone said, you look just like a monk. And uh, the fact is, I'm not going to be ding-dinging and saying, you know what, folks, oh, you have begging. I'm not going to beg. Folks, it is a responsibility that each one of us have to get involved in the things of God. I mean, what a tragedy goes on in this world today. God wants us to minister in a diverse way. And then, number four, we find a magnifying sovereignty. God says our gifting is designed by God. Verse 18, God has set members in the body as it pleased Him. Folks, we're all designer Copy. We are copies of God. God put us here for a specific purpose as it pleased Him. As it pleased Him. We've got uh, hearts that are thump, 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 thump. We have lungs that are breathe, breathe, breathe. We have internal organs that are cleansing. Now, what would happen if the heart said, you know what, I'm done. I mean, I've been beat, 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 beat for years. I mean, all I ever do is just week after week, day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, beat, 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 beat. I'm tired. I don't see the appendix doing anything. It just sits there. And uh, then the lungs say, tell you one thing, if it wasn't for me, this church would be dead in two minutes. I mean, you got to have lungs. And the liver and the kidneys say, you know what? You don't want to have to know all the stuff I do. I mean, uh, I just, it's just terrible, the stuff I have to put up with. Folks, God said that there is a sovereignty. God designed it, and he placed it there. It is his desire. And then finally, a maximizing necessity. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. There can be no self-sufficiency. We each need each other. A couple of years ago, I was cutting a little branch at the house with a sawzall. You know what that is? A little battery-operated reciprocating saw, and it, those things are amazing and awesome, and you can take it to a house and chop, chop in half. But also, if you're not careful, that little blade can grab you. It jumped off the little branch I was working on, and it hit my little finger, tore that fingernail off, and I'm telling you one thing, woo, dear Lord. I was uh, dancing around, and the neat thing was my whole body came to action. My other hand came over there and helped the hand. Oh, help the pinky. Help the pinky. Go to the pinky. And uh, my eyes got involved. They started crying. And my feet started dancing. (laughs) I ran inside. Folks, that's what the body's supposed to do. And they say, you know, it's been said that that's one of the reasons for church. You go there and your heartache gets dispersed. It's less of a burden because someone carries your burden. And when you have something to rejoice about, there's more people to help rejoice. And that's what a church does. It's just like eating ice cream. Well, I tell you what, you go up there and Pastor Mike and I in the summer, we go to this yogurt place every Thursday night and, and uh, we'll have a little bit of yogurt. Each week we do a little bit different. I tell you what, I take you that first little bit of that yogurt, I put the Nutella on it and put peanut butter on it, and uh, oh my goodness, my mouth is rejoicing. But did you know it's not just my mouth? My tongue is involved, and my nose is involved, and it makes my whole body feel good because I'm just enjoying it. And that's what, that's what the body is supposed to do. We work together 
That's why we have church. A man had seven sons. He gathered his seven sons around him, and he had some sticks. He picked up one of those sticks, and he snapped it. And then he picked up a second stick, and he snapped it. A third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth, and finally a seventh stick, and snapped it. The seven boys were lined up there looking at their dad, not saying a lot, just snapping those little branches one by one. And then he took seven branches, unbroken, put them together, wrapped them with string, and then tried to break them. He gave it to his oldest son and said, break it. His oldest son tried. He tried, couldn't do it, asked the next son, all the way down to the final little son. And then he looked at his sons and he said this, boys, he said, I want to tell you something. Apart, when we're not with each other, we'll break. Snap easily. But when we band together, we are strong. When we work together, it is a strong thing. And folks, that's like a church. If we're out there all by ourselves, well, I don't need church. Yeah, but you're going to snap just like that. You're going to break like a twig. But when your family and your situations come apart, you need church. I've told you before that the only reason I feel like I made it when my childhood bride died was the fact of a godly family and a church that got behind me. And of course, the Holy Spirit and the Lord, but I mean, I'm telling you, that is, that is those, from a physical standpoint, from a, a standpoint of this earth, that was indispensable. I want you to look at verse 24, and we'll close this morning, because this is a beautiful illustration. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together. Tempered the body together. Do you know what that word tempered is in the Greek? It is the word for mixing together. It's actually an artistic term. It is a beautiful thought. That is that God blends harmoniously colors together. God mixes you with another so that the combination is exactly the right hue. You'd say, why am I at the home church? God mixed you and placed you here. He took a palette and he laid it there and he put a little red and a little brown and he put purple and yellow and green and blue and he puts all these colors together on this palette and then he paints a picture. And when the picture is done, that picture is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the artist and he paints the picture of Jesus Christ through each tempered, each, as the word is there, each one that is tempered together or mixed together. And so I say to each of us here this morning, we are part of God's work. And whether we're a small part or a big part, we all are important. I read an illustration and it's a beautiful one. It comes out of old Europe. A rather well-to-do man, uh, wanted to leave a legacy, and so he uh, decided to help build his church a new building. He put his considerable resources to work, and they worked, and they worked, and they built this beautiful building, albeit rather small, before he passed away. When the people came into this beautiful building, they were impressed with all the beautiful treatments and thought it was amazing, but they looked and there were no 
candelabras where they would place the candles. I said, what, where, where are the lights? He said, I'm glad you asked. He said, look on the wall. And there on the wall, there was brackets. He said, now here's what I want you to do. I want this to be a constant reminder. And we're going to give every family a light. And when you come to church, you place that light on that bracket. If you come, your place will be lit. If you don't come, your place will be dark. I thought about that illustration this week. I thought, you know what? Some folks I know think, what do I do? Folks, just by being here, you are a light. You are an energy giver. You are an energy giver to not only the others around you, but even to me and to the Lord for sure. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our heads are bowed. Thank you.